Did you know, and this is what I want to talk to you this morning about, that one word from God can change your life. One word spoken to you by God can change your life. How many know that there's uh, two competing systems in this world? There's the kingdom of this world, and then there's the kingdom of his word. Kingdom of his word. And I want, I want to just kind of compare and contrast a little bit, talk to you about that, and, and, uh, and understand something that when we're done here, I'm really, this is just going to be an exhortation. I'm going to tell a couple of stories. But the idea is, is that what would you do? What would you do if you got a word from the Lord? What would you do? Would you believe it and act on it? Or would you set it to the side and say, oh, that was nice? Because I want to tell you, God is speaking all the time. We didn't hear a prophetic word yet this morning, but we're going to before we're done. But God is speaking all the time, and he wants to tell you things. And, he, and all we have to do is appropriate those things, receive them, and walk in them. So I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. This is a familiar story. You know, do you know what a miracle is? A miracle is when God supersedes the laws of this world and goes beyond it. In this case, Jesus walks on water. The law of this world is a law of gravity. But when Jesus operated in this, he was operating in another kingdom, and he walked on the water. There's a miracle. Now, a lot of healings, instantaneous healings, they're miracles. A lot of things can be miracles, but usually it's a miracle is dealing with the law of nature or the law of God, and God supersedes his own law. How many know that God is bigger than his creation? Okay. If he made it with a word, he can, he can change it with a word, can he? So in the book of, uh, of uh, Matthew chapter 14... Uh, it says it this way. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he, dis- while he dismissed the crowds, and then after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So they fed the 5,000. Now he sends his disciples to the other side of the lake and um, he goes up on the mountain to pray. The relationship that he had with the Father is certainly significantly different than the, what the relationship most of us have. And it says here that the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. A storm had come up. It's a shallow lake, the Sea of Galilee. The wind was contrary to them, and they're, they're, they're struggling at the oars. And about 3 o'clock in the morning... He came toward them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Have courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter responded, Command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said one word, come. 
And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Haven't we all been there? Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out immediately, caught hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. It ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. And in John 6, where the same story appears, it says they were instantly translated. They appeared at the other side of the lake as soon as Jesus got in the boat. So I, I come back to what I started with. There are two systems at work in this world. The system of faith, of goodness we just sang about, of love and light. There's a, there's a war. And, and this other system is a system of doubt and evil and hate and darkness. One brings power to live the abundant life, and it's an overcoming life, and the other system sows discord and defeat and discouragement and death. So when, when Jesus came walking on that water that stormy night, he was walking in the system of faith. He was walking in the kingdom of God. He was walking in the kingdom of his word. This system, this kingdom that, he's, that he was walking in is a kingdom that's filled with possibilities. It's, it's filled with hope. It's, it's filled with, with healing and with joy and with peace. And as he strode across the sea, walking on top of the waves of that rough that rough sea, he came near his disciples and they were afraid. They caught a glimpse of this apparition, the shape of a man walking across the sea and they were afraid. Well, wouldn't you be? You know, it's three o'clock in the morning and there's this thing walking towards me and it, it they had, you see, they, they had no, even in their wildest, most crazy imagination, they never expected to see a man walking on the water. Just wasn't in there. It wasn't in their mindset. It, it wasn't in their DNA. They could not, they could not appropriate, they could not deal with that. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? Here comes this thing walking. They had no comprehension that such a thing could even be possible. And Jesus says, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Whoa. I'm not really sure. Some people say he was coming to them. I don't think he was. I think he was going to pass right by them. I think he, was, he had already told them where to go, and he was going to the other side. And he sees them struggling, and he said, don't be afraid. It's just me. And as he's walking past them, and he says, it's me, Peter says to Jesus, I mean, imagine the boldness of Peter. I know he's an impulsive guy, but imagine the boldness of Peter saying to Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there with you. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Walk on the water. And Peter says, come on, if that's you, man, tell me to come. And Jesus changes everything for Peter, and at one moment he says, that's that red letter, Rick. <laughs> Come. 
And Peter, by faith, Peter climbs out of that boat and puts his, can you imagine when he put his first foot down? You know, what was his expectation? I believe he knew he was going to walk on the water. And he puts that first down, and he doesn't sink. He puts the other one down, and he starts walking to Jesus. This is good. This is really cool. Jesus, I'm coming for you. But as he gets a little, going a little bit, suddenly the waves are coming, are crashing over against him. You know, and he sees the storm and he sees the waves and, you know, whole sermons and millions of sermons have been preached on this one, this one section of Matthew. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he put his eyes on the storm and he began to sink. I mean, it was a bold thing for him to ask him to come out there. But you see, when he, when he stepped out of that boat... He entered into a, 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 another world. He entered into the kingdom of God's word. Jesus told him to come. And when Jesus spoke that word, come, he entered into a new system by faith. He stepped into that system. He stepped into a place where, by faith, the impossibilities of this world become possibilities. He stepped into another world where, where, where sickness and disease don't exist. He stepped into another world where the word of God rules and reigns and he left the kingdom of this world and it's the law of gravity and he left, he, he walked into a supernatural realm where all, suddenly everything changed by one word. When you accepted Jesus Christ to come in, when you cried out, Lord, save me, as Peter did, Jesus rescued you from the sinking depths, from the miry clay, it says, and he's put you into another kingdom. Do you know this morning, you and I are here in this kingdom where we're walking on the water? If you can believe it, if you can receive it, because Jesus told us to come, and we have. But, you know, we get our eyes so transfixed on the things of this world. You know, what's the first thing that happened to Peter as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus? He got afraid. Fear rules in the kingdom of this world. The only way to overcome it is by faith. As you look around you, what do you see ruling this, this world right now? Fear. Connie and I were talking about it this morning. There's a verse in the Bible that says that Jesus came and he was, it says he, is, he was the aroma of, uh, sorry, aroma, he was aroma of God. He was aroma of, of life to those who were being saved, who all their lives were kept in bondage to fear. Because you see, the kingdom of this world puts you in bondage. And the main bondage is fear. And that's what's ruling this world. There's a verse in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. And we don't have the scriptures up on the screen. So if you pull that up for me, I'll have to turn around and look at it. It says, I'd put it in the King James because it says it a particular way. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, say word of the kingdom. <laughs> when, when you hear the word of the kingdom, and you understand it not, then comes the wicked one. So he was talking about the, the parable of the sower who sows the word. And he catches away that which was sown in his heart. 
This is he who received the seed by the, the, by the side. So he's talking about the different types of seed being sown. And the seed being sown, or the soil rather, that is sown into it. And the seed is the word of God. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the devil comes and takes it away from you. But you and I are a lot like that. We have heard the word of his kingdom. And we're responding to it by faith. And we're getting out of the boat and we're walking on the water, says the word of God. You see, the enemy, the devil, always tries to deceive us. He always tries to plant doubt in your hearts. Didn't he say to Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Has God really said that, that you would die? Why did he do that? Because he wanted to put a division. He wanted to put a wedge in the relationship that Adam, between the relationship that Adam had with God. And he uses doubt to sow the discord did God really say he desires to hear you, heal you? Is it really God's will to heal you? Did God say he wants to save you, to keep you from falling? Did God really say it would be possible, all things would be possible to those who believe? Did God really say he would meet all your needs according to his riches? Well, I know my friends, some of my friends prayed and they didn't get healed, or some of my friends prayed and they didn't get delivered, and so they didn't get you know, their needs met. So did God really mean that for all of us? The devil said to Jesus in the wilderness, if you are the son of God, can you imagine the presumption and boldness and arrogance of the devil to say to Jesus, the son of God, the word of God, if you are. If you are. Why? Because he wanted Jesus to prove by wrong actions what Jesus already knew in the mind of faith. He, I am the word of God. The devil always wants you questioning. Always questioning the truth of the word of God. You know, I've said this before. I prayed for a lot of people. I'm going to talk about it in a second, who were healed. Some instantaneously, some progressively. I've also seen a lot of people that weren't. And I said, sometimes, you know, I'd like to, when I get to heaven, I'd like to ask the question, why? But you know what? That's not my problem. I, I'm only required to do what God said and believe what he said. And it's up to him to do the rest of it because questioning will bring doubt. And it's not, I'm not in denial. You know, I've been sick. Some weren't healed. I know people weren't, but you know what? I still know what God's word said. So if there's a problem, it must be with me because it can't be with his word. And you know how Jesus responded to the devil when he said, if, it's your, you, know, if you are the son of God, Jesus said, Matthew 4.4. 4. Would you put that up for me? Man does not live by bread alone, but how? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that God speaks, that's how we live. What hath God said? Not what the doctor said, as good as they are. Not what the devil said. Not what CNN said or Fox said. But what did God say? And in that verse right there, it actually says that every, that word, word there is rhema. It means a living word that proceeds, 
from the mouth of God to us. God's voice and the word he speaks brings, it disintegrates fear. It destroys confusion. You cannot be hearing a word from God and stand there confused because if you are, you are doubting in your heart you have heard from God. Peter got a proceeding word, as my old friend Arthur Bird used to say, at three o'clock in the morning, and it transported him into a new kingdom. Faith took him beyond natural law, took him away from beyond his senses, and it took him into a supernatural kingdom, the kingdom of his word. But as he got out there, faith turned to fear. And fear turned to doubt. And once again, he was subject to the laws of this world rather than the laws of the kingdom of his word. And Jesus had compassion, of course, as he always does, and rescued him, and he's always done that. He's still doing it, and he will always do it. But I can tell you that when Jesus told Peter to come, he meant it. And his intention was for him to walk on that water across the lake with him. Kenneth Hagin always quoted Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you believe that? See, the only way you can have faith is by hearing what God has said and putting that into your spirit, man, and into your mind. And the question I have is, what, what most Christians are dealing with today is, what are you hearing? What are you putting into your spirit, into your mind? What have you listened to today? There is so much, you know, I mean, Twitter and Facebook and, and YouTube are taking stuff off their sites because it goes, it's misinformation or it's disinformation. When I would subject, submit to you, there's probably the truth, and, and they don't want it out there, but that's another story entirely. But that's the problem. There is so much disinformation, misinformation, and wrong stuff out there that people are listening to. Are you putting this in before that? See, if this is truth, what is truth? This is truth. And it's the only truth. Now, there are scientific explanations and there are science and all that stuff, but I've never seen so many scientists who are confused about what truth is in my entire life. One mask, two masks, six masks, 24 masks, no masks. You have a, a right. In fact, no, it's not a right. You have an obligation. You, you have a responsibility to believe God's word first. To believe what he said about your healing, to believe what he said about your circumstances, to believe what, what he said about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to believe that he said, I've already met your needs. You, you have a right to believe that you have a God who loves you and a God who's good all the time. You have a right to believe that joy unspeakable and full glory is yours because you put your trust in Jesus Christ. I know the world's depressed and discouraged, but we don't have to live there. We're living in another kingdom. The word of God has come to set us free. The red letters, get it? See, you have a right to believe that in every impossible situation, there is still a possibility. There is still a way out. 
And your inheritance includes all the promises that God has made. And in fact, in 1 Kings, it says there's not one word, not one promise that God has ever made that has ever failed. Did you know that? Arthur Burt, our friend who died back in 2014 at 102, traveled the whole world. What a man of God. Once told the story. told us the story that when he first got saved, he read this story in Matthew 14. And he read how Peter walked on the water for a time, and then he, and when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank. And he decided that he had just as much faith as Peter does because there's no such thing. God doesn't play favorites, right? So he went to the edge of the seashore, and he stepped into the water by faith. And you know what happened? He sank. He was shocked. He was mad. He didn't understand. He, he was quite upset with God for allowing him to sink. He told me that. In fact, as he puts it, he fell out with God. He fell out with God. I mean, I had great faith. Why, why, why did I sink? And one day, the Lord spoke to him. And he said, why are you mad, Arthur? He said, because I sank. He said, you told Peter to come. And he said, to, God said to Arthur, did I tell you to? See, Peter got a proceeding word, a word, a rhema word for him for that moment in time. Now, there are some words from God that, are, that transcend time. I am the Lord who heals you. I've redeemed you from the curse. Those words appropriate, can be appropriated by every person, but Jesus told Peter a proceeding word for him in that moment. And then Arthur said, oh, See, and it wasn't done to make Peter look good. It was done to glorify God. When the healings occur, when the miracles occur, what's it for? Give God the Father glory. He said, I won't share my glory with another. So if you haven't, you know, we need, to, we need to find the words of God that deal with our circumstances and wait for God to, you know, like I say, there are some that transcend that. I can look at the word of God that says, I'm the Lord who heals you, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil and know that that's just applicable for me as it does, is for them and Jesus hasn't changed, so I can stand on that word. I can stand on that word. I'm gonna tell you a story that happened to me Friday afternoon. I don't get an, uh, enough chances, you know, being the pastor sometimes is limiting because you're talking to a bunch of people all the time in church, and I don't get enough opportunity to witness, but I went to the doctor at an urgent care uh, on Friday. I had a little capillary burst on my leg, and, and uh, anyways, so I was sitting there talking to her, and uh, it was a young uh, black lady who was a PA, and she uh, was in her 40s or so, and we were talking, and we were on the subject of COVID, of course, and uh, um, 
She said she had been in the trial for the Johnson & Johnson one because she was asking if I'd been vaccinated. And I said, no, I don't plan on it. She's, and I said, if I have to, I'll get the J&J one. She said, that's, that's the one I had. It was in the, I, I uh, uh, asked to be in the trial because that's the more typical way that the vaccines have always historically been made, and I think it's probably safer than the other. We don't know enough about the others. I'm, she's, I'm sure they're safe, but we just don't know enough. And uh, I said, well, if I have to take one, I'll take that one. Anyway, she talked for a while and was talking about what was on my leg and some other things. She says, are you a doctor? I said, uh, no. I did stay at Holiday Inn Express once, but, you know... <laughs> It was a good experience, but no, I said, I just have way too much time on my hand, and, and I've been reading everything, as we were talking about, uh, we had COVID, and we used hydroxychloroquine I got from India, and, and so forth, and so on. She said, how'd that work? I thought it worked great, and, uh, you know, and then we, we had had the uh, antibody infusion, and I said, actually, we were better off if we hadn't had that. We got sicker after that. She says, you know, every person I know that had that antibody infusion says the same thing. I said, great, why didn't they tell us that before we took it? But uh, anyway, and we got on the subject of uh, um, about healing in general, and uh, I said, well, I said, uh, I'm not a doctor, I said, but I do, I do operate in healing. She said, oh, how so? I'm a pastor. Oh. I said, I've preached in 22 nations around the world. And I said, I cannot even begin to tell you all the miracles that I have seen. And, and what I've, you know, and all the things that, that have happened to me. And uh, says, I'm a, I'm a Christian, um, you know, and I serve a supernatural God. And I said, as I said to you a moment ago, if God isn't bigger than his creation, then what kind of a God is he? He's not God. She said, well, I was raised. My father was uh, kind of a unique individual. We went, we, for a while we were Jews and went to synagogue then for a while, we were Muslims and went to the uh, mosques. And for a while, we went to a Hindu temple. And for a while, we went to church. I said, well, that's interesting. I said, you would be, the you would be what was known in our society that's called a seeker. A seeker for truth, yeah. And I said, so what are you now? She said, nothing. I said, well, I said, let me tell you something. I said, Jesus is one of two things. Somebody said years ago about that song, he liar, lunatic, or, you know, or God, or whatever. I said, lunatic doesn't really count. I said, either he's a liar or he's God. That's your choice. I said, the Hindus revere Jesus as a God, but he's one of many gods. And we tell Hindus that Jesus said, you know what? You don't get that choice. It's either me or nothing or them. And so, so I made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I believe in a supernatural God. And, and I've, I've, as I've gone around the world, I've prayed for the sick. And I said, I've seen them recover. And I said, I told her about Uganda, about the deaf boys being healed and all that. And, and she said, well, you know, I had a woman who, that, I was, that I was working with. And she came in and she had cancer. And she had we did a CT scan and it had spread throughout her body 21 different lymph nodes and nodules all over her body. And she tried chemotherapy for a little while and it really didn't do anything. And you know what she told me? She told me, Jesus Christ is going to heal me. And I don't want any more chemo. I said, okay. And she said, you know, about three months later, she came back in. 
And she said, I wasn't going to come back, and I've stopped all the chemotherapy, but I want you to, I want you to do another CT scan. So I said, I, she says, I, I think I'm healed. I feel fine. So she, she agreed, and they did another CT scan. She said, you know, when we got the CT scan back and read it, I said, this, we must have gotten the wrong one. There was three little tiny nodules still in her body. That was all that was left of the cancer. And they actually went back, and she had a radiologist redo the CT scan because surely we messed up. And I brought it back to her, and I said, we can't find any cancer. These three little nodules are really nothing. They're not gonna... She said, that's because Jesus Christ has healed me. She said, so I don't doubt what you're saying. I said, yeah, but here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm serving... I said, what are the odds, as I said to you before, what are the odds that you could say any, any number of words over a deaf person who can't hear you in the first place and it would make any difference whatsoever? Well, none, of course, right? And so I said, so you explain to me then how we can lay hands on deaf people and pray for them in the name of Jesus and have them hear. And it's not just one, it was multitudes. And I said, I stand here today, it was God as my witness and tell you that I have prayed for tens of thousands of people to be healed and thousands and thousands of people have been healed. And now I said, not everybody I've prayed for have been healed. I don't understand all that. I said, all I do is though, but I pray in the name of Jesus. You tell me, you tell me one other person, one other system where that can happen. You're a doctor. Kinda. But I said, I'm living in a kingdom where all things are possible. Where the word of God spoken in, in, in faith makes things occur. And I pointed her to our website and told her we had some videos up there about miracles. I said, you can check it out for yourself. And she sat there and her eyes were, I'm serious, were like saucers. He said, you know, I wish I had what you had. You have conviction. You believe that, don't you? I said, well, there's no other choice. Yes, I believe it. I said, and you can too. All you have to do is ask Jesus to forgive you and come into your heart. My wife is sitting in the car with a dog, and it was a long time, I know. So she said, well, I guess these things happen for a reason, don't they? Oh, and by the way, the thing on my leg is gone. And she didn't do anything. She gave me some doxycycline, which nearly made me throw up this morning before I came here on an empty stomach. One word from God can change your life. A number of years ago, Connie and I were seeking the Lord, and a couple came to our house and prophesied over us. and said, God has a word for you. He's calling you to the ministry. We were active in church and active in full gospel businessmen and doing a lot of stuff, but I really wasn't feeling called to the ministry. But later that summer down in Florida, I got a heat stroke and God 
called me himself. My whole life has been changed ever since. One word from God can change your life, if you believe it. Peter believed it. He heard Jesus say, come, and he dared to get out of the boat and take a step upon the waters of a rough sea. It isn't always the easiest thing to follow the word. But by faith, we, when we do that, we enter into another kingdom, the kingdom of his word. We, we launch out into the deep by faith, and, and it takes us places. The preceding word of God will take you places you could never have imagined. But when you walk in faith to where God wants to take you and what he wants to do for you and what he wants to say to you and you appropriate it for yourself, it takes you into the realm of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his word, where all things become possible. The word I got years ago was Acts 1.8. People ask, what's my favorite verse? Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I've seen it manifested in my own life. You tap into the provision of God. You tap into the word of God. You tap into the kingdom of his word, and it takes you places you could never go by yourself. I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's a famine in the church, in the American church, and it's a famine for the word of God. Amos 8.11 says it. There's a famine coming, a famine for the word. God wants to give you a proceeding word today. And the question I have is, if you hear the word of God about your situation or circumstance, what will you do about it? Will you believe it and get out of the boat and act upon it as if it was so, or will you set it on the shelf? Now, sometimes, like the prophecy I got, I, I had, you should have a confirming word. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. But you know what? If God says to you, well, you, you're, you're sick, and God says, I'm the Lord that heals you. I have no problem with medicine, doctors, or, or any of that. I've said that many times in here. I believe all wisdom is God's wisdom. God gave us a cure for polio. That's what I told that doctor. I said, you don't think that Jonas Salk got that from the devil, do you? I said, that was God's wisdom. Because he looked out and saw all these young children in iron lungs and debilitating, crippled you know, situation, dying, but they can't even breathe and dying from crippling uh, uh, you know, diseases. And, and so he gave somebody the idea for a vaccine. No problem with me. But my response has to be what God has said in every circumstance first. How do you get the proceeding word of God? Well, you pray and you have a relationship with God and you hear the voice of the one who says, go this way, go that way. Open, you know, I'm the Lord that heals you or I will provide for you in your midst of your financial circumstance. You know, Lord, we need a house. We need a car. I'll provide. In fact, I've already provided because my nature is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, the Lord who sees the need, literally, the Lord who sees the need and makes a way for you. But the question you, I have for you is, what will you do when you hear it? You've got to be open. You've got to be listening to the word of God. When God speaks, you, you have to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to walk on that water. Even though I, I, you told me to come, it must be so. 
When he tells you, don't be afraid, I will sustain you. Then you have to take that step of faith and not be afraid. It's me coming on the water to you. Don't be afraid. I've got a new life for you. Here's a word that will sustain you. Here's a word that will give you hope in the midst of discouragement and depression. Here's a word that will bring life to you. Here's a word that will bring you healing. Here's a word that will heal your family, heal that relationship. Here's a word that will take your marriage into another level. Here's a word that will bring provision for you. Oh, you lost that job? That's good, because I got something better for you. Here's a word that says your best days are in front of you and not behind you. Here's a word that says all things that are possible to them who believe. Every word that God has spoken, every red letter edition that Jesus has spoken, <laughs> can change your life if you let him. I love you with an everlasting love. You know, so many people walk around in this world afraid and unloved, and Jesus said, I love you. I died for you. I'd do anything for you. If you're sinking in the sea, I'll pull my arm up and lift you out of that. Whatever you're going through, I'll be with you. Those aren't dead words. Those are life-giving words. There's two systems at work in the world. There's the system of faith, which is the kingdom of his word. And there's a system of this world, and it's run by a liar and a thief and a murderer. Who are you going to believe today? Joshua says in Joshua 23, 14, not one word the Lord has spoken to you has failed. He's talking to the children of Israel. And I want to I close with a verse we were talking about, Connie and I, on the way in here this morning in the book of Revelation. It's found in chapter 11, verse 15. Can I tell you something? We are standing. I've always felt like there's a parallel universe. There are. There's two systems. There's two, two kingdoms going on here. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And in the last days, there is going to be an outpouring, an explosion of the kingdom of God to bring souls into the kingdom by signs, wonders, and miracles. The supernatural aspect of God supersedes everything that God has created in this world. And that's where we're living, friends. And you need to get that in your head. I am trying to exhort you today to take the word of God and believe it and stand on it. I mean, this is not a difficult message. This isn't some deep esoteric truth. This is a simple message. God's word is true, and he wants to speak to you a word that will bring you life and help you and sustain you. But I, but I, I know that this parallel track, the power of God is going to be functioning at an unprecedented level. Creative miracles. I told that doctor, I said, I expect to be able to walk down the halls of the hospital and empty it out with prayer. said, that'd be nice. I said, absolutely, because that's what God loves him so much. He, he doesn't want you to suffer. That's not his will. And I said, this other kingdom that's going on, the kingdom of darkness and death and fear, 
And church, if we're not living in a better kingdom than that, then you haven't read the words. I said, you can come down to our church. We're wide open. I think that we've already reached herd immunity. I told her, I said, I don't know how many people have had it. A lot of people had COVID here. She said, did anyone die? I said, no. And they're not going to. And if I do die, I'm not afraid because I've been set free from the bondage of fear of death because my hope is in Jesus Christ. And to to live is gain, but to, to live is good, but to die is gain. Because to be absent from this body is to be in his presence. I believe that. She said, you have conviction. She says, I like your passion. I said, come on. I said, you're welcome at our church any day. Any day. But that kingdom of his word, that supernatural kingdom, is exploding around the world. And I tell you today, that this is what America needs and the Western church needs to see a demonstration of the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and those things being manifested by his church, walking in boldness, walking in faith, walking in victory. We're not victims, we are victors. COVID hasn't made us victims, we're victors. And you can't take that away from me, even if you're a governor. We have all, you know, I tell people all the time, I read the last page, the fix is in, we win. We already won. Here's what it says in Revelation 11:15. This is the last of the last. It's the seventh seal. The seventh angel sounded. And there were huge, great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms, hear me, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And if you're in the kingdom of God because by faith you've accepted Jesus, you are already reigning. You are seated with him in the heavenly places. But one day, the kingdom of this world comes crashing down entirely. And Jesus sets himself up as king. I look forward to that. I want you to do something for me. We've got a couple of seconds. Bow your heads with me. The first thing I'm going to do is pray. Maybe if you're watching online or you're in this room, Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is just like what James did. Last week he said, I, I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want to ask him to forgive me of my sins and live big in me, and I, I want to serve him. Do you need to do that? Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I, I want to know you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to know your words. I, I want to come into your kingdom. Help me, Lord. Help me live for you. And Holy Spirit, come into my heart and change me into that new creature, into that new person that God wants me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, while your heads are bowed in this room and maybe at home, I'm going to ask you to do something just for a minute. I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to walk down to the front of this church. And when you get here, what I want you to do is begin to pray. I want you to pray in the Spirit if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're not, I want you to pray in English. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there a word you have for me? 
Is there a proceeding word that you want to tell me? Maybe it's a word of encouragement, exhortation. Maybe it's a word of comfort. Maybe it's a word of peace. Maybe it's a word of healing. Maybe it's a word of, you know, provision. Whatever it may be. Or has God spoken to you a word recently or spoken to you a word that you've not acted on? Holy Spirit, make it real. Come back, bring that back to their remembrance. What have you done with the last word I gave you, God, sometimes says? Just pray for a minute. I'm going to pray with you. Father God, in Jesus' name, speak to your church. I told that doctor I speak in tongues because I serve a supernatural God. Oh, come on. You, I, I'm going to hear you. Speak it. Pray it out loud. I'm not ashamed of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, speak to your church today. Now, because of the constraints of time, I just want you to be, be at peace for a second. Be quiet just for a second. Ask the Lord in your own mind, Lord, do you have something for me to know? Are you speaking something special? And if you don't get anything today, I want you to do this alone with God today, tonight before you go to bed. At some point today, you get alone with God for five minutes, ten minutes. Just seek the Lord. And while we're here this morning, I'm not trying to manipulate anything, but is there a word from the Lord for the congregation today? A proceeding word, a fresh Raymond word for your church today. Does anybody have a word from God today? You can't live on food alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Turn this mic on for didn't really know what was going to be preached today, but I had a word when I was sitting there while we were praising, and I, I didn't give it because I only got one thing, and I, I was, I, was, I just knew the Lord wasn't going to allow me to speak anything else, and I thought, well, that must be for me, and I kept arguing with the Lord, but I heard the Lord say, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. What happens sometimes is the enemy tries to say, you know, say to us, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not God, that's you. But the Lord showed me a long time ago, we're not smart enough to get a word. It's the Holy Spirit. And he said, my sheep know my voice. So don't be deceived. Don't let the devil deceive you that, oh, God's not speaking to me. Well, you're his child. And God says, I speak to my children. Is there anything else? Anyone else? Anyone else have a word from the Lord this morning? Blessed Church, uh, as we were in worship, I heard the Lord say, I want my people to stop living and asking me for their individualistic lives. But I want them to ask me, what am I doing in the kingdom right now? You know, a lot of people, they want to know what, what is God doing for this church or what is doing for me. But the way that God is going to work in the last days is... What is he doing? And we need to join that, what he's doing, in order to live in the kingdom of his word. Amen. Anyone else? All right, well, we're going to put that to work. I want you to lay hands on someone near you and pray for them for a moment. Just pray in the spirit or however you feel led to pray. Maybe if God gives you a word for them, speak it to them. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It says in the Bible, pray one for another that you may be healed. Lord, will you speak? Lord, your, your, your kingdoms at work right now, we're walking on water. There's supernatural healing for your people. There's supernatural provision for your people. There's supernatural grace for your people. Be healed, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Let the church arise in the power of your spirit, the supernatural anointing to go and declare the word in power and in faith, not arrogantly, but humbly. Speak the word because the kingdom of God is here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Bless your church, Lord. Bless your people. Bless your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. In the name of Jesus, hear the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let the amen be spoken over your, over your word, oh God. So be it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.